0: I'm in circle with women that are willing to talk about some of the painful things that are happening. So I'm actively participating in the own releasing of my shame and it is absolutely mandatory. You cannot deliver shame-free or less shame-free sexual health education to your kids if you are like carrying so much energy around things that have happened to you in the past
1: welcome and thank you for joining us for another episode of the how for her human expansion realized podcast these podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly gather for her conversations that take place in real time they are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire. Our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here, you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion, leaving each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how. This week, our hosts sit down with Carrie Isham, who is a knowledgeable, experienced, and passionate educator, coach, and facilitator, dedicated to excellence, and committed to the empowerment of people of all ages. Her primary goal is to make exploring sexual health fun and meaningful, and to alleviate the shame and embarrassment sometimes associated with this topic.
0: Um, Knowing the statistics of sexual abuse and knowing the prevalence of sexual assault, um, we've just come out of a pandemic, and we are on the same level with child safety, that we are, and the emergency and urgency. I find it very overwhelming sometimes that I feel that in general, we don't care enough. And that's hard.
2: Can you say more about that, Carrie? Because I can imagine I'm already sensing people caring. Of course we care. Mm -hmm. What is that? What is, yeah. Can you say more? well
0: i mean i guess just i mean starting from the basics um i need families to be communicating with children from infancy up i need churches to embrace the fact that the people within their building are the same as anybody else and and none of the information needs to be tweaked it's all evidence-based science-based information i need grandparents to get on board I need teachers in universities to receive the training that they need to be able to leave school and be able to teach sexual health. In British Columbia, it's part of the physical and health education curriculum. So whoever teaches PE to a child is their sexual health teacher. I want an abundance of resources. I want administration in schools to be super supportive um, and not let someone hang to dry when they make a mistake in the delivery, which is almost inevitable to happen. Um, I want better legislation and policies for offenders. I want better support for offenders. I want better support for victims or people who are trying to survive something horrific that happened to them. And so when I'm talking about everybody, I mean everyone i mean politicians i mean educators i mean family members extended family members because i just feel like right now there is a war against our children and i'm going to start speaking really powerfully to that whether it's online pornography access whether it's grooming tactics through pornography whether it's an you know the increase of child on child sexual harm Um, everywhere that kids are on their um, devices, any games are playing, the predators are waiting for them. And so sometimes I try to water it down, because I don't want to scare people. But at the same time, I feel I've almost done a disservice by not being really brutal and saying the truth about what's happening. We cannot give kids devices when they're six years old without having conversations about what do you do if you see naked people on the screen, you know, like as soon as they can spell, even if they misspell, because all the URLs are purchased with the misspelled words as well. It takes kids directly to pornography. So that's what I mean. It's like, this is going to take the village because there's a lot of people working against the village to exploit our children. And if we believe that our children are the most important and most significant part of our community, then maybe we should start acting like it.
3: I'm curious in terms of what you're, what, where this would take you. Because when I hear that, and I'm, I'm a parent, I'm a grandmother, I'm, um, where it's taking me is that we actually need to own our own healing in this because what happens when we get triggered as adults, fight, flight, freeze or fawn, right? And lots of times, adults that haven't worked on their own healing, they disappear. And we can't show up for our children if we're not there. And so I I can't help, but think that as adults, we, have an obligation to pursue our own healing around our own sexual stories so that we can be there for our children so that we're not in this repetitive pattern. So I I I I think this what you're talking about is so important and it's it's so important. I think for us to hold up a mirror and I'm curious where does that take you? What are what's coming up for you in that? I know that's coming up for me.
0: (laughs) Well, I, I hundred percent agree. Um, Because I've been doing this for so long, there's really three reasons why parents would either pretend their child was sick on the sexual health days or just pull them all together. And I want to be really clear because it's mandated by the BC ministry of education, sexual health education is not optional And if somebody wants to teach it at home, that is completely acceptable, but there's no opt out policy. So if you don't want to do it at school, that's fine. But then you have to show evidence that you've done it at home. And many administrators will not request that from families, even though it's in the document. So people pull their children when they have been Uh, sexually abused around the same age as their child. And it's super triggering for them. They think the child's going to come home with questions that they don't want to answer. Sometimes there's a family secret. The children are pulled and, but like I asked my schools, can you please keep a record of when children are not taking sex ed? Because you could have a child that misses kindergarten to grade seven and then heads into high school throwing them to the wolves because a child with no information everybody can can who's inappropriate can kind of sniff out someone who is so naive that they can take advantage of them and so i don't even know a single adult in my life who is shame free from sexuality i mean you know or you know sexual abuse or sexual assault or their own personal sexual trauma I my job is to help people reduce their shame. And in doing so, I reduce mine because I have I have sexual shame as well. And I've been doing this for a long time. But the difference between maybe me and some other people is I do work on my stuff. I go to women's retreats. I do the reading. I Am in circle with women that are willing to talk about some of the painful things that are happening. So I'm actively participating in the own releasing of my shame. And it is absolutely mandatory. You cannot deliver shame free or less shame free sexual health education to your kids if you are like carrying so much energy around things that have happened to you in the past. It's 100% accurate, Christina
4: um I want to jump in for a second um what came to my mind um, and and you know that um that's um what you said both of you uh, Christina and uh, Carrie um is is quite um relevant for sure um but I'm thinking of I'm going in, in a bit of a different direction and I'm thinking of just the the kids that um that I mean, look at the the age that kids are having sex these days. So, and they don't even know. I mean, where are they getting their education from, right? So my so my son uh, was a late bloomer, but he told me that, um, and this was a few years ago, that um, kids were having sex at thirteen, and, and he was a late bloomer, and 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 I was just shocked to to hear that. So you know, the, where are they getting their education from? It's it's from porn and so 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 i that's what horrifies me is 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 how are these kids um being raised w- with their education and 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 then dealing you know, if you don't worry have to worry about um pregnant unwanted pregnancies then i mean there's with the pornography well you know where i'm going with that it, it's so it's just a very scary um, idea. Just want to invite us
2: all to take a collective breath for a moment, mm. and just find each other across the screen. Not, not that I think we're scattering, but this is big stuff. Mm-hmm. Just take a moment to get here, and uh, and then I, uh, was there. Something, did you want to respond,
0: Carrie? I because I had another. Yeah, piece Sure. To- so one of the really encouraging things that we know know through evidence-based research is the more kids know about their bodies the more informed kids are the longer they delay sexual activity and so it is not my experience that kids are having sex younger Um, it's my experience that some kids are sexting and some kids are um, accessing pornography But there seems to be a bit of a trend of fear around sex because of pornography, that they may be asked to do things that they don't want to do, to be asked to do things that could actually harm their bodies. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to look at pornography and know that people are being injured, not just spiritually and emotionally, but also physically as well. So it is... um, Yeah, in the adolescent health survey, we have about 50%, just a little over 50% in 2018 of kids who were not sexually active upon um, graduation from grade 12. So there are most definitely kids that are sexually active, but I don't, I think the, the headlines and, you know, some of the TV shows and sort of sensationalize the fact that all kids are having sex when they most definitely are not some are saying they're having sex when they're not having sex but that was no different than when we were growing up amen to that
2: i just a little personal story the person that i lost my virginity to was like so clear so he was like so i'm so experienced i'm so this i'm so that only to find out like later way later like in our 20s like way later like 25 or something he's like Remember how I told you that I was all this experience and stuff? You said, I was a virgin too. The virginity thing was going to happen. And so when's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? And all the stimuli, because of that, like the, the yeah, all the stuff around us as high school students.
0: Um, and now, Tina, we use sexual debut. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Instead of virginity, because virginity what? is oh, okay. very heteronormative, right? Male, female. And so to be more inclusive, we just say sexual debut. And that could be intercourse, but it also could be oral sex or touching genital. Like it's a personal decision of like, what is my first sexual debut and hopefully owning and experiencing a situation where it was consensual.
2: That's beautiful. Huh? I love that. The Hmm. kids think it's ridiculous. I use it all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's got, it's got some ritual around it. Mm -hmm. It's got some ceremony Mm
5: -hmm. around it. As we start to reframe how we talk about this experience um, for young people, right? Even that shift in the conversation from losing my virginity to planning my sexual debut and how I'd like that to happen feels very different in my body. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason that we meet in circle is to have conversations around sharing, around shifting the narrative (laughs) that's all around us. Um, So I just want to acknowledge that. What if in our, you know, and and I really appreciate that you brought that up. There's a big difference between losing something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I've lost something, right? (laughs) And planning for a debut of something very, very different. Mm -hmm. Um, I I like um, where the conversation takes me in terms of placing the child in the middle and teaching that child what it means like feels like and having them remember that they're a whole human being and so what if in that process we talk just as much about sexual health as we do about physical health Mm -hmm. and mental health as much as we do emotional health and there are you know, medicine wheel aspects. There are seasonal learning opportunities. Um, there are following the cycles of the moon that mm-hmm. definitely feed into this, that um, just feel, you know, again, many of these I'm learning and appreciating more in my 50s. And and, and I'm grateful for that. But I just feel like there there are um, natural learnings and teachings through the Indigenous communities that we can really lean into, and, and, I, and I'm grateful for them, and, and exploring more about them. Um, not sure where that takes you, Sharon, but that's kind of what's present for me.
4: I would love to hear Carrie respond to that first, and then, yeah.
0: Well, I don't know if you can see behind me here, but I do have the Indigenous ways of knowing in my office, um, and I and I reread them again last night. And so, I guess I'll just share. I felt three of them really resonated for this conversation. So, learning ultimately supports the well-being of the self, the family, the community, the land, the spirits, and the ancestors. And learning involves recognizing the consequences of one's actions. And learning requires exploration of one's identity. And I think, Charlene, that's what you were speaking to. I think about, you know, the well-being of the self. We have to start with ourselves and then the family and then the community. And if everybody gets sexual health education from a young age, through the lifespan, because I just turned 51. My body's very different. I'm six months into no period. Like things are changing and I sought out the information for myself and then share it widely with the, for the perimenopausal journey, because people just don't have the information. And so that, that speaks to me when we put kids at the center, it means that we would want all of their well-being to be well-rounded. And when you take out sexual health education or you take out discussions about sexuality, you're leaving a fractured person because sexuality infiltrates your emotional, spiritual, physical well-being. I mean, we even know Maybe this is TMI, but like people who self-pleasure live longer. There's like, and there's evidence-based research to suggest that because of the, you, you feel good, your body image, your self-esteem, the dopamine release, all those feel-good hormones, getting a good sense of who, who you are. A lot of people believe that so much of our creativity is in the yoni, in the vulva area. And so why, why wouldn't we explore our own bodies? And so- that's kind of what's coming to mind
4: for me. Um, yeah, and and so um, the yoni and 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 you know the womb. It's 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 mother. It's mother creation. It, it's the creatrix. Um, so it it is very important. Um, um, women are 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 sacred. You know we are the we are the creators, and so uh, to to and 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 indigenous ways before colonization women were um revered as sacred and and then you know uh, the, the patriarchal system took over and 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 it's not like that now but we are in the 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 rise of the sacred feminine and so uh, this will we will rise up again and and you know um just with, with children at the center, um, it is an indigenous way as well because community is, is at the center for indigenous peoples. And, and so this whole conversation, it, it, I feel that's very, um, it's not indigenous led, but it's certainly in, in, inspired um, and infused with indigenous ways of knowing and being. And um, I think of the seven grandfather teachings. So when you, when you brought up um, the Indigenous learnings, that's what came to my mind and, and how, um, how we can remind our children um, of, of those teachings. And, and if we live by those teachings, um, I think we can help to create safer spaces for them to, to, to be uh, healthy, sexual uh, humans.
3: I just want to jump in um, here and, and talk and and go back to the conversation around um, around shame and healing, but also around uh, one of the things that you said around like let's demystify and de stigmatize um, sex and uh, and for, for our children, for ourselves, for our, for our society. And I loved what you said about, well, the, the more we talk about it, right, the, the safer it becomes. And, uh, and, and, and it becomes easier to understand yourself and, and to understand what you prefer in the world, right, and, and how you prefer to, um, you know, what's the experience that you want to have. And then as we articulate that collectively, it allows it just it reduces it reduces shame. So I just want to hear more about ways to um, ways to have conversations out in our communities with our with our with our kids, with our grandkids, with um with uh, the the people that we're surrounded by. How do we have better conversations and really destigmatize and um, and demystify sex and desire and 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 longing and wholeness and uh, all of those um, all of those things that are just core to core to our
0: being, right? <laughs> well, for the people who are listening with little people, that is the easiest place to start because they have no idea what you're talking about. It's no different than you t- asking them if they want a peanut butter sandwich, if you can wipe their vulva to help them you know with their diapering. So early, Often conversations are ideal. When we do that, we build a scaffolding of trust, right? And that's why I always say to parents, when your child asks you a question, please don't lie. You don't have to give them the full pieces of the puzzle, but please don't lie, especially around reproduction. I feel like that's a foundational conversation. It would be like building your house on wobbly bricks instead of building a solid foundation. When you talk to kids early and consistently, then you talk to, you know, preteens and they are not weirded out and they're not disgusted. And maybe they are, but that's okay too. And then you've got a teenager that comes to you and says, I need birth control because I think I'm gonna be sexually active with my partner. Or um, I was assaulted and I need your help. Or I had un- unprotected sex and I need plan B. And then you have adults, simple things that are willing to be able to go to the doctor when there's something that's not okay with their genital area or their breasts or their anus. And then we have people who are willing to even seek out women's or men's circles or um, you know retreats or to share incredible books they found or whatever. There's a ton of information out there and there's a ton of people doing incredible work, but the way they advertise their business is not the same way that we would advertise ours. They're not gonna slap something on the side of their the deckle of their car because there's too much scrutiny. Body sexological work is a very growing field and it is one of the many pathways Um, to release shame and it's very effective for some people who have experienced sexual violence uh, or child sexual abuse um, because often When that happens, a person is not able to access the true pleasure in their body to be able to connect succinctly with the partner, and they're always feeling a little off, or I don't really like this, or sex becomes a duty or a chore that they just do, not that they actually participate, but they just do. They go through the motions as a, a good partner does this, but they're not really there in the moment. So that's what I would say, you know, let's talk about this in the car. This is a great place to talk about this with teenagers, because you're looking one way, they're in the back seat. Um, we can talk about it before bed, when people are winding down, when they're really, usually that's when the tough things come out right before when a parent thinks they're getting some free time. Oh, no. Because the child, that's when the things come up. Um, And then let's talk about it on walks and at the dinner table and make it everyday conversation. Because I have seen this in effect. So I taught kids in a school in Cowichan. And I taught them from kindergarten to grade seven. Every single year for eight years. Are those kids ready for high school? You bet. Are those kids, could I have different conversations with them than if I just went into a school and did, you know, two classes each and then never returned? So the parents had a parent workshop every single year and we filled the room. You see where I'm going with this? This is like when everybody buys in, the community is safer. They don't deal with some of the things I'm seeing in school right now. There's You know, there are sexual assaults happening in our schools right now. We have kids who are teenagers who are walking out and marching, demanding that adults listen, that it's not okay for them to be in the same classroom as their offender, that they shouldn't have to walk down the hall and pass somebody who sexually assaulted them the weekend before. Right. So. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is another way to start conversations is recently at the annual general meeting with the BCC PAC, which is all of the PAC groups in the entire province get together. uh, Four resolutions were brought forward all around accountability for consent, education, for, um, you know, um, recording uh, people coming forward to counselors and things like that, and then having policy and procedure it passed 94 to 97% at the AGM. This is where we're going. So when youth are telling us that they are suffering and we are not listening, that's shameful.
2: Uh, In our conversations with change makers, we talk about the things that like, let's be honest about what change is. Change is coming from a place of known to, and facing the unknown. Change is risky. Change is courageous. Change is scary. Change is all of that. And I want to circle back to um, to you to our uh, to help support the, our listeners who are change makers who can feel that urge in the morning to get up and contribute, but might be fearful or think they're not enough or like what what can you share with us about what it's like to walk as a change maker? Um, and maybe what you need to 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 stay on that path.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's a great question for this week. I'll tell you. So um, I have been participating in what I would consider to be a social media shitstorm since last Thursday. Um, I had to kind of regroup over the weekend. And um, was in quite a bit of distress. And then I found my voice on Monday night. I went on Facebook Live using media to unstick my very stuck throat chakra to be able to share my side of the story. And then I, it was 18 minutes long. And I said to people, I need your help. You cannot not face this any longer. And then I got an absolute outpouring of support, emails, texts. Many, many, many people shared my post. I felt super well supported. And in those moments, I'm able to pull up my bootstraps again and go another round and so when, when you know what your life calling is, it's not really an option not to. And when I feel a huge responsibility, you know, for educating people to keep kids safer, I'm not going to roll over and play dead, but I definitely need to always have my army behind me cheering me on Because some people are terrified with what I do. Some people are angry that I, you know, I was called a pedophile. I was called a groomer by the right alt people who got a hold of uh, one page out of 94 in my Body Smart Right From the Start workbook that a teacher had used. And they Absolutely butchered it and made it something sexual that it wasn't. And the headlines were sensationalist like it was, it was a train wreck circus show. And so that's why I really appreciate about the focus of regen media is like to tell the truth, to tell more than one side of the story. And people are allowed to share their story, but please have some factual basis to that before you spew things that then get shared on a global level. This is what happened. And so You know, one foot in front of the other, gather your people. I am actually going to print off every nice thing that some, that people said to me, I'll do that this weekend. I'm going to make a book. And then when I have difficult moments, I'm going to go back to the book and read a page be like, Oh yeah. Remember you do have a tribe. You do have an army of people. It's just, they're not usually loud. The naysayers are louder. So then it seems like there's more of them. And then you think, oh my gosh, I really can't do this because there's not very many topics that are more taboo than what I do. And most definitely when I'm done doing what I'm doing and I'm moving into retirement, I will feel a huge sense of of relief. I'm not going to lie. But for now, I'm back at it. I feel revved up. I'm going to see 250 Grade 11, 12s today live. Um, there you go. That's what's happening today. I, I just want to pause for a moment, and for everybody listening,
3: as a change maker, part of your if if you're going to be involved in change making you are going to be living on your growing edge and you are going to piss some people off and you're and you are required to be brave and bold and carrie i love your suggestion of like gather your tribe print off all those lovely messages when you get them and then let them hold you and have your back when you need it because Often what happens, our brain is wired to only look for what's wrong and we will feel it deeply, right? It it's painful. Even though we're we know what, what we're doing and saying is the right thing, it still is incredibly painful. So every change maker that's listening, um oh, recognize when you need hands at your back and when you need that kind of support and shore yourself up. So thank you for that. That's a, that's a really, that's a really key takeaway for our listeners.
4: And I just wanted to say congratulations for, for not listening to the 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 naysayers, to the negative, for whatever reason they, they feel compelled to, to, um, to call you up, bring you down or whatever. Um, because um, to me, that's the little, the little angel and the little devil there and you know and it's like uh, you just push that or not the angel this is the devil here (laughs) push him (laughs) and keep going you know um it's tough it's tough to to not you have to have a thick skin but you know it just stay grounded uh when we stay grounded in our our truth and in our our uh, reason for for being and doing what we do uh, it makes it that much easier. So congratulations to you for being able to do that.
3: Thank you. And I wanna add one more thing as well. And that again, for the for the listeners, the importance of contextualizing information. Carrie just gave a really good example of somebody taking one piece of information without the context and then you, weaponizing it. And good media provides that contextual intelligence and we as consumers of media have that obligation to do that work and to and to and to really contextualize um the information and not just react right to 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 what we see so again i i think that um you raising those issues is really really key so thank you for
2: that And I think it's um, what you just said, Christina, goes back to Carrie, to your point um, around contextualizing for the six-year-old who's picking up their cell phone and finding naked people on their screen, that without context, there will be a reaction. There will always be a reaction anyway to all the things. We are a walking nervous system and context can be the hands at your back. And I'm just going to pass to you, Carrie, and what's coming up for you.
0: Nothing particular yet, but I actually I, I noticed Charlene, you were talking about like bringing this back to to media and 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 why like why regen was created. I, I don't know if if this is an appropriate time to talk about that or not, but it, it just seems that the media that we have right now is very sensationalist often doesn't say the true story from the people that are actually in lived experience.
5: Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. I I think two points come up for me as I'm listening. One is um, what, what Christina and you um, have been talking about when you do receive something that is coming out of context, we've all been on, on that other end of, of, a, a situation, um, you know, my ask would be when when you receive something from someone that is is blowing up in a in an un in not a healthy way. It's not bringing all of us up collectively. Let's just go there, you know. Um, take responsibility before you react. Right? We're all adults here, like. I'm talking about adults receiving um, something that, that catches you because that it's in front of us all the time. It's, Mm -hmm. it's circulating and it's, it's either going to, that's the whole point of media. We have a choice. It's either going to bring us up or it's going to bring us down. But as adults, we have to take responsibility before we react. And, in the context of region and and the work that we're doing here in the house it is i feel that we're we're at a tipping point and i have been that young person asking the question where the hell are all the adults where are all the adults and as an adult <laughs> i'm taking responsibility because i see an opening for, um, a better use of a very powerful tool. So every time I see or hear or feel a story that's done an amazing job of telling a story that feels good for a a family (laughs) or, or, you know, appropriately done and not overdone and sensationalized, I think, you know, this is there's an opportunity here um, because there could be a lot of improvements it made on. And so I'm, I'm not going to take the negative of where it's gotten to, cause I'm not sure it could get a lot lower. And there's a lot of adults out there in media production, streaming executives, decision makers that are choosing to produce, um, a quality of media that isn't reflective of how amazing we are as a species. And I'm out to change that. And conversations like this are very important as a a foundation.
2: That was a change maker to change maker moment we just witnessed there from one change maker to another. Fantastic. Um, We're just moving into our last 10 minutes of our conversation. So I want to invite us to take another breath just see if another gate opens up go another level deeper or more expansive or risky for us i want to go to one of the questions that we have here for you carrie and you joined us in conversation on May 9th so that was the launch of Regen you started to reference some of the ways which you come in, where you're welcome in indigenous ways of knowing and being into your practice and how you work in indigenous communities and i think we've already heard a bit about the indigenous ways of knowing and being but i'm specifically interested in in um moving into communities where where they are where there's a lot of trauma
0: absolutely um I did not know that I was going to do this work. It sort of just came my way. And the more that I do of it, the more I feel that this is my contribution to reconciliation through education. Um, I guess simple things that I do is I contact people to find out what type of cultural support they're offering Who's going to be opening? What are some of their traditions um, and cultural aspects that they would like to weave into? Whether it's opening, whether it's a prayer for lunchtime, whether it's um, elders sharing, however that works out. And, And all communities I work in are a very different path. Some are very far along. They're very clear on their protocols and, and how things are set up when they have a, um, a guest. Um, but I wanted to share something. And, I, and, and I'm very sad right now because it's not something that's currently happening because the person that I was actually doing this with changed positions. But um, there is a woman named Natasha um, working with Kwame Lelem and Elder Florence from Penel- Penelicate. And uh, together, we wove uh, a, I guess, multiple-time workshop called Eagle's Teachings. Three, the three classes that we did, and this will give you some sort of idea. So it was called Sacred Self, Private Body Parts. Second one was Safety in a Big World, Safe and Safe Secret Touch, the Eagle's Song consent and my body belongs to me and the focus of this group were kids who were in care and so my intention I need to now I'm getting a welling of push forward is to contact this person to find out how we can get we did it twice and so how it went was Natasha said some things the elder said some things, then I said some things. And it went back to Natasha. We had this. It wasn't perfect, people, let me tell you, because it was our first time. The second time was smoother. But it was to have an elder's teachings about how they were raised. And she actually got her sexuality training from her father in her family. And so having kids to be able to see that compared to like what kids are accessing today that was really meaningful for me. Um, and you know, there isn't, I'm not doing anything fancy. I, I most definitely have to slow things down when I'm working in indigenous communities because my belief in the oral storytelling is nothing has to be rushed, but I always feel like I'm on, on the clock, right? I have an hour here. So whenever I do, a small thing that I do in Indigenous communities: if I think a workshop is three hours, then it's five, because people want to open, people want to share. We don't want to hurry people along in their sharing, and so then somewhere around four or five hours, we close it off. Um, that's those are some of the things. I'm really still learning. I, you know, learning the the um, greeting in the language you know, basic things, knowing my land acknowledgement, just basic things like that. So I definitely am not an expert in this area by any stretch of the imagination, but I want to be respectful. And I want um, people to know that I'm committed to building the relationships, which are so powerful and impactful. I never go anywhere one time and never go back again. That's not at all what I want um, or desire. I don't do something for the money because it feels dirty I don't know if you understand what I mean by that but I don't take money unless I'm making an impact and that cannot be one time
4: yeah Carrie um, that workshop they they sound that it sounds amazing. Um, I'm just wondering um, I can I can see, how that workshop could trigger some some children who have experienced sexual abuse. Um, how, how do you, have you put some kind of accommodations in place for,
0: for that? Well, um, that was one of the reasons that the elder was there um, to be able to sue the children. But Natasha actually made this incredible kit for all the kids that had an eagle feather in it. And it had um, one of those um, warm bean bags so they could heat it up in the microwave and then sit with that. So she covered, she had the picture, she had the feather, she had, she had it all. I really, she had a stress ball in there. So I didn't bring any of that. That was all of her idea She got all the kids, regardless of where they lived, because KL is nine nations. It's very broad. Um, She made sure that those kids had the kits before we started. So there was a lot of like front loading to make that happen.
2: My body had a response to that, Carrie, just that for, for the first hit was, oh, yes, disorientation when a trauma piece awakens and then and then knowing i could feel like i i could feel that if i was someone that an eagle feather felt like home to me the the safety that would come from that and then yeah the warmth what a, what a what a beautiful offering
1: as always we are so grateful for your deep listening with us we want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet We gather virtually every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for these live conversations and we call it Gather for Her. This is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated, intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030. Where we prepare for a better world. When you're ready, we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com slash powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.